Thanks for tuning in to Accented. This episode is not scripted, and it's for English learners who want to listen to real conversations. Each week, I interview a new guest who has a distinct English accent. On today's episode, you're going to hear from Pete, who is the podcast host of Aussie English. Pete was a guest on the show just over two years ago. Hello, welcome back to Accented. It's been a few weeks since I've released an episode and I've got some great news to share with you. I am leaving Sydney, Australia, and I'm moving to Paris with my family. So I've decided to start offering English lessons online and I've joined up with Pete from the Aussie English podcast as he runs the Aussie English Academy. I've started giving online lessons through the Aussie English Academy, which has been fantastic. I'm working with a lot of students who have moved to Australia or are thinking of moving to Australia and would like to learn more about Aussie English. So I thought it would be a great chance to have Pete back on the show to discuss all things Australian. Before we get on with the interview, let me talk about Australia. And I mentioned to Pete in the first part of our conversation about how Australians are quite connected to where they're from. So whether it be their city, the state that they call home. And when I say call home, that means the place that they believe they are from. That doesn't mean that you were born there. Some people might call a place home and they're not actually born from there. It's just something that they hold very close to their heart. So as I was saying, Australians like to have a connection with the place they call home and there are usually a lot of rivalries between the cities or the states. So I said to Pete that there seems to be a lot of rivalries. I call Sydney home because I've lived there the past eight years. And even though I grew up in Brisbane, where I'm staying at the moment as I'm visiting family, I call Sydney home and Pete calls Melbourne home or he grew up there. He is a a little bit out of Melbourne. Anyway, in saying that, there is this big rivalry competition between Sydney and Melbourne because they're the two biggest cities. Sydney ciders, people who come from Sydney, that's what we call them, Sydney ciders or Melbournians, they're the people from Melbourne, they seem to think, well, each city seems to think they have the best city. I know people who are from Melbourne or Melbournians seem to think they have the best coffee in all of Australia. So a rivalry is sort of a competition where some people are trying to be more superior in whatever field they're doing. And I grew up in Brisbane and the state 
that Brisbane is in is Queensland. Sydney, we have New South Wales. And then Melbourne, we have Victoria. This is the east coast of Australia. And this is the most populated area of Australia. So it's quite funny because I was born in Melbourne. I grew up in Brisbane. And I actually call Sydney home. That's where I love to be, is in Sydney. So we have different competitions between the states, between the cities, whereas Brisbane is really big on the game rugby. And Melbourne actually is big on a game called Australian football. And you might hear of it as the AFL. And it's funny because my family are Australian football supporters. And my parents aren't even from Melbourne. They're actually from Western Australia. So when I say Western Australia, that is the West Coast. So I currently live on the East Coast. So does all my family. And however, my parents originally came from Western Australia. And in Western Australia, they are big Australian football followers. So it's called AFL. It was originally called VFL, which is Victoria Football League. And Melbourne is in the state of Victoria, as I mentioned before. And basically, the VFL, it sort of started in Melbourne. And the majority of the teams come from there. So Sydney does have an AFL team. However, most people don't follow AFL in New South Wales which is where Sydney is, or in Queensland, which is where I am at the moment in Brisbane, they follow rugby. And then usually the rest of Australia, Melbourne and all the other states, they generally follow AFL. So when I'm in Brisbane now, they have a rivalry. Well, the state does. There's a massive rugby game called the State of Origin. And the state of origin, it's kind of like the World Cup with soccer. You actually have to play for the state that you're from. So if you were born in Queensland, you have to play for the team that you were born in. So it's not about playing for the team that pays you the most. So there is this huge rivalry between uh, Queensland and New South Wales when they play this game. Now, just to be honest, I don't ever watch that game. Even though my husband is French, he loves watching the State of Origin because the French love rugby, more rugby union. I can't explain the difference to you because I don't watch these games. But there is a difference. So that just gives you a little bit about the Australian culture and about how competitive people are and how connected that they are to where they come from. I guess it's time to have a listen to the conversation that I had with Pete. And now that I've got a lot more time on my hands, I decided to record this interview with Pete. So what you're listening to now is a condensed version. So I've just edited it a little bit so that it fits into my 20 minute format. But if you want to see the full conversation, you can go to the YouTube channel and you can see the video, the unedited version. And it's quite funny because I wanted to show off. Now, 
you don't know the term, to show off. That means to sort of uh, show that you're better. Not that you're better. I wasn't trying to be better than Pete, but I was trying to be like, hey, look where I am. Because when he turned up to the interview, he had this Sydney Harbour background. And I was like, well, I'm just going to show you my real background in Brisbane. Again, this is the rivalry that we have to show how beautiful my area is, my balcony. So while I was showing off, it kind of backfired. Now, to backfire means it, um, I probably should have thought a bit more about it because when I recorded it, it wasn't the best sound. I usually record in uh, my studio. So, uh, yeah, that backfired on me, but I have a really cool background because as you can hear, my uh, audio isn't the best, but you might be able to listen out to some really cool wildlife and hear some Australian birds. So enjoy the conversation I have with Pete. And if we do speak too fast, which I, I sometimes forget because we get so engrossed in our conversation, just send me an email. Ask me what word or what it is that um, you'd like me to clarify. So enjoy. Today I've got Pete. You're on a previous episode. I think it was episode 10. We have some exciting news to share. Yeah, Kim's now working for Aussie English, giving classes in the mornings. You're having to get up um, much earlier than I think I would. (laughs) Well, if you can see, it's funny. You've got a Sydney background uh, for those who are watching uh, the video. And I've got my background in Brisbane, Australia. Looks like you're in my hometown. I'm not there at the moment. Yeah, I know. This is actually probably about 1,200 kilometres away from where I am because I'm in <laughs> Melbourne. But it was the only Aussie sort of background I had on uh, on Zoom here. So I had to had to include it. This is interesting because I thought we could discuss this too. I feel Australians seem to be so connected to their cities and we like to have rivalries with other cities. <laughs> well, I think in particular Melbourne and Sydney have that history. Of, of having that, that rivalry, especially because Melbourne kept getting the most livable city in the world award. However, that's decided and whoever votes on that sort of thing, I don't know. But it, it always made that the rounds each year, it seemed that, you know, oh, Melbourne's won again, most livable city in the world. And Sydney siders, I think, would be like, ah, if, if you guys, Sydney's better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right with that. Um, yeah, in Sydney... Well, even here, I guess, um, with Brisbane, there's definitely rivalry with uh, the South. How do you how do you feel about it? Like, does it do you guys compete more with with Sydney? Do you think, or do you think it's a, a Melbourne based competition with Brisbane, or is it just you lump us together and it's just everyone in the South is is uh, you know thinks they're better than Brisbane? I think what happens here is definitely with rugby, it's. Uh, you know, Queensland versus New South Wales thing with the state of origin being a massive thing. Mm -hmm. However, I'm not originally from Sydney or Brisbane. (laughs) (laughs) I was born in Melbourne Mm -hmm. and I was brought up on AFL. So I was going to say, what's rugby? Because down in Victoria (laughs) here, there's, I mean, we have rugby teams, right? The Melbourne Storm, but in comparison to AFL, I don't know how many teams it is, but it must be like 10 different teams at least, probably more than that, uh, from 
pretty much just Melbourne, the city, you know, that was where it started. It was all the different suburbs there, like North Melbourne, Melbourne, St Kilda, Richmond, Collingwood, all of those different suburbs. And then there's like one or two teams in every other state. Yeah. Even though I was born in Melbourne, my parents aren't from there and I was brought up on AFL. They're from WA. (laughs) So you guys are a mixed bag, huh? Oh, we're huge mixed bag. That comes from having a father in the military. You move everywhere. Yeah. I think there's a Tassie team coming, yeah. Hawthorne was my team when I lived in Melbourne. Yeah. And I think Hawthorne represents Tasmania at the moment. I don't know. What, as in they go down there and train and everything and try and, you know, spread the AFL to the, the southernmost state? Possibly, because when I was in Tasmania, I've only visited there once. Never been. Wow. And you live down there. You should. Well, it might as well. It might as well be Perth because you have to get a plane or you have to get on the ferry to get over there. You can't just drive there, even though it is only a few hundred kilometers away. It's just, you know, it's separated from Victoria by hundreds of kilometers of ocean. True. But can't you can't you get a ferry? You can. There's just nothing to do there, really. I mean, there's not nothing to do. There's a lot to do there. There's no reason for me to go there, at least when I was growing up. I don't have family there. For work-wise, study-wise, I've never had to go there. So, if for whatever reason, I've just never ended up going to Tasmania. I want to go. I think it would be beautiful, especially to do camping and hiking and and just, you know, road trips down there. But it's just, yeah, it's the same reason that I've probably never been to Perth, although that's, you know more like three or 4,000 kilometres away. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, it is, it's kind of this expectation as Australians that we've been everywhere. Oh, well, it's nuts, right? Because, yeah, if you went to France or any, any other country within, you know, Europe, it would be like assuming they've been to every other country in Europe, you know, or, or have, yes. have driven, say, from England to, I don't know, what, like, Afghanistan or something it would be something like for me to go from Melbourne to to Perth and to have driven it it's you know five days so yeah it's yeah not not the kind of road trip that one does lightly <laughs> especially so with children you must have been to Adelaide I've never yep. been to Adelaide yeah I've been to Adelaide I think I don't know if I've been there more than once I've been there at least once I went there when I was doing my um, PhD and I went to a conference there and also went to the museum to do some work or the university and the museum there to do some work. So we had to go over there. But yeah, that was like a good 13 hour drive as well. So that was, that was pretty significant. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I've been to the Western Australia. I've really stuck to the East coast, yeah. except I did go to Uluru a few years ago. See, I've never been there. I would love to go there. But again, you know, that's what, two days driving and it's in the dead centre of Australia and there's nothing else nearby. Yes. Amazing though. Yeah. Because we we flew in just even that like flying and flying over Uluru Mm -hmm. was just incredible. Yeah. And then we went to um, Kings Canyon. Yep. And we hired a car and, and you're right, like it was about a two and a half hour drive. So, and even I thought Alice Springs was close by and I think it's a five or six hour drive. Yeah, it's quite a way. It's quite a way away. No, I, I recommend if you, if you get the chance. And, you know, the only reason, well, not the only reason, but the thing that pushed us was my husband's family visiting from France. Yeah, I think that's what it would take for us to go. Because, again, it's just such a 
you, you're only going to that area for effectively one thing and that's mm. Uluru, right? So, I mean, whereas if someone comes to Melbourne, you know, and, and they're coming from Perth or they're coming from Brisbane or something, there are so many other things that you can see and do whilst you're here. It's yeah. not just a single site that you're going to to enjoy, which is, you know, beautiful, but there are so many other things, so many other places you can go, you can drive around, everything's within, you know, an hour, two, three hours drive. Whereas, yeah, if you go to Uluru, it's kind of like you're here to see your Uluru and that's about it. We made it to Melbourne, I think it was around May last year. And my husband and I have been living in Sydney eight years. Yeah. And that was the first time we went to Melbourne. Yeah. Since being here. Well, it's it's weird. I grew I grew up in I grew up originally in the Dandenong Ranges, the mountains outside Melbourne, and then at about nine years old we moved down the coast and then you know, we would go back and forth to Melbourne all the time because we had family there. But then I spent 11 years living there whilst I was studying at uni and right in the CBD. And you kind of do fall in love with that lifestyle. But then afterwards, um, I, I don't think I've been back to Melbourne at least for probably two years now, especially during COVID. There's probably been something that's taken me up there. I just can't think of it. But it, it is interesting. You can survive without the big cities as well. And now, especially with kids, I'm almost like wanting to move further away from cities and, and large towns. Like we were talking earlier about how housing prices have gone nuts. And my hometown has definitely lost its sort of charm that it once had when I was growing up there. Because it's every single block of land now has been sold and it has those... Uh, what would you say those those houses that are kind of like they've built two houses on a single block and they're a mirror image of one another and they're two two story monstrosities they've just put them everywhere now because they're you know developers um money grabs and so the the town is starting to lose that kind of old friendly feel that it used to have everyone now is a holiday maker or a retiree mm -hmm. that's incredibly rich so i think it'd be nice we're thinking of sort of moving to warnable uh, which is two hours drive down the coast, but because it's sort of far enough away that you can't commute to Melbourne, prices are cheaper and it's quieter. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But as we were talking about, the trade-off is not being close to your family and having that longer drive, you know, oh, instead of just 10 minutes to get to my folks' place or my sister's place, it'll be uh, two hours. <laughs> That's hard. It is, it is a very difficult decision. And I guess um, we've just made a decision mm -hmm. as well in, I think, two It's weeks a little time. further than two hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be moving to France. <laughs> do you know where yet? Have I mean, you, you'll know where, but do you have like a house and everything 100% organized and set up or are you still sort of working that out? Like are you staying with people when you get there and then you'll find somewhere to rent or is it already in place? It was about two years ago yeah. that I spoke with you about moving to Canada. Montreal. And, yeah. Yes. And we packed up everything and sent it all off and uh, COVID happened. Mm -hmm. So then we stayed in Sydney. And uh, so now we're jumping on this opportunity to go to France. And this time things have changed. Like we had no family in Canada. The main reason for this decision is my husband's family is there. Yeah. So he will be working in Versailles, which is 30 minutes out of Paris. And we were thinking of living in Paris and then him commuting, but now we're thinking about Versailles. Yeah. However, looking at the Airbnbs to start with, they have this huge COVID clause, 
we want long term for a couple of months yeah. just to see and then maybe extend it. But they keep 30 days of the payment. I think we just hold off. We will be staying with my in-laws for a few days. And maybe once we're on that plane and once we've touched down, we then book at Airbnb. Because I just think it's so many things are uncertain. Mm -hmm. I know it's screwed up, isn't it? With all of the COVID issues and cancellations of holidays and everything like that. We had that a few times. I mean, well, we had the, we had as, as I think we've spoken about in the past, my wife and I were planning to go to Brazil and then COVID happened. We bought the tickets and everything. We were planning to go over in August of, I think it would have been 2019. Yeah. Far out. Mm. Long time ago. Right. So we canceled that. And then in the meantime, we've tried to do other holidays during 2020. And there were just lockdown after lockdown after lockdown. I think you probably felt that in Sydney and we had that in Melbourne really badly where I think we probably went through six different lockdowns where, you know, they'd put one in, then they'd relax it and we'd be like, finally, we can get out and go on a holiday. And then they'd lock down again, just as you were about Mm -hmm. to. And so the amount of times we had to cancel things and not get our money back and you were just like, this is screwed up. As much as I'm so excited to be going to France, I don't think it'll hit me until I'm there because you can't guarantee anything. It's going to be a huge um, cultural shock for my son uh, because he will have to wear a mask at school. Yeah, really? Yeah. In France or? Yeah. Yeah. What, even in class? Yes. Wow, that's brutal. It is because here it's not... Uh, compulsory I worked at a high school and it was so the high school students all had to but really? then it kind of it stopped maybe after about two or three weeks well, once so we were they quite all got strict. vaccinated or um I think it was this was before Omicron and the cases came down it doesn't have to do with the vaccinations really uh with the mask but then we allowed high school um students to not wear it primary school it was recommended Um, but not compulsory. Yeah, Yeah. good luck. Well, this is the issue that I'm concerned about is uh, with masks. What about when people are trying to learn a language and they can't see your mouth move? Well, there was something really interesting. I was listening to an interview recently that was saying that Asians were having less of a hard time communicating emotion um, with the wearing of masks because they do a lot more with their eyes. You know, like Mm. the... I think they talked about how... Japanese emojis tend to have crazy stuff going on with the eyes, whereas in the West, it's all the mouth. So, the the expressions and everything are much more about the shape of the mouth and the lower half, half of the face, which is covered mm. by a mask, you know. So, it was really interesting that that apparently, you know, according to this, um, this person that was being interviewed, I think they were a, a researcher uh, in emotion, and they were just talking about how Asians have less of a difficult time communicating with masks on because they use the top half of their face more than Westerners do for showing emotion and everything, you know, and surprise and shock and, and happiness and everything. Whereas, yeah, Westerners use the bottom half more. So, that, yeah, it's that, funny how that changes depending on which culture you come from, where you are in the world. Yeah, no, that's really interesting because I actually spent a lot of time researching masks that are clear Mm -hmm. so that I could wear them with my students Um, (laughs) and I paid quite a bit of money to get some sent out and I I should take a photo and put them online because I actually had to wear one the other day the students were all laughing at me and it (laughs) fogged up it was I looked like the joker because it was material and then it had like this thing and the kids were like they were hysterically laughing at me 
my wary face. So like, screw this. <laughs> Whatever. You can go back to not being able to lip read. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting times. And uh, I can say I'm very excited to be working with you. It's lovely to see the community that you've created with Aussie English and uh, working with adults too. I'm so used to working with teenagers. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you on board and I'm glad that you're doing morning classes because we had obviously a, quite a few students in the academy who are parents or who are working or who live in certain areas where they couldn't get to the evening classes where the majority of the teachers in there were doing, you know, after 5 p.m., classes in the evening and so yeah i'm glad that you're you're on board and you're doing the morning ones it'll be interesting to see how we go once you move to france i, I can't remember what we organized with um how the time difference is going to be there but yeah it's all part and parcel of the, of the game so obviously any of you guys listening if you're learning australian english and want to improve your fluency and speaking skills and confidence be sure to check out the academy and um, you'll be able to get lessons with kim if you're interested in morning lessons thank you so much for coming on pete yeah, my pleasure and, uh... thanks for having me I'm sure we will chat again soon. Sounds good. All right. See you later. See you guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Accented. I'm your host, Kimberly Law. Accented is released on the 15th and 30th of each month. If you'd like to find out more about me, please head to kimslawofenglish.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so don't forget to leave a review of the podcast or even a star rating. Speak to you soon.